make your way back to your seat and we will get into this word. series called The Gospel in Real Life. And last week I reminded you that like we need John in our real life. It can seem extremely theological, extremely philosophical, extremely individualistic, and compared to the other Gospels, right? Which is just like the action. <laughs> it just kind of tells you what happened. But John kind of, he tells you why it happened, and he fills in lots of stories. And we remember that old man John is writing this in Ephesus, right? When he was the bishop there before he got exiled to Patmos, and John is writing this gospel after the other gospels were out, they're in circulation. He was the youngest follower of Jesus, but by the time he writes this gospel, it's the last one because he was just a teenager when he was following Jesus, and now he is writing down these words, and he tells us just straight up why he does it in chapter 20. He says, I'm writing all these things so that you'd believe. John doesn't, like, hide his intentions. He wants you to believe in Jesus. And it's, it's been um, such a blessing to be in this series. I, I love John the Apostle. I love... We... we Several months ago, we preached through Revelation, which was which was awesome. And um, tonight, I'm going to preach another sermon from the same chapter as we just sort of camp out in John 14 for a little bit and talk about what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. Amen? So we just take another week to just sit here and look at this because I think it's really important for us. So in John 14... Verse 22 says, Judas, not Iscariot, remember there's Judas Iscariot, and there's another Judas, he said to him, Lord, how is it you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered, he said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. The words that you hear is not mine, but is from the father who sent me. I have spoken these things while I remain with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have told you. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. So before we jump down Judas's throat, <laughs> right? and beat up on Judas, I gotta ask us, right? Like, don't you ever feel that way? Why 
is it that like I get Jesus? Like he's revealed himself to me. I love him. I want to follow him. I want to rearrange my whole life for him, to serve him, to follow him. And yet the world seems to be in the dark. Why is it that some people seem to have their eyes open and other people seem to have their eyes shut? I'm calling this message the blinders. Because we have blinders on and we need God to open up the blinders or we won't see him clearly. For the last few weeks, we've talked about how Jesus would send the Holy Spirit. And he says in chapter 16, and he says just a couple of verses after this, in the same passage in chapter 14, he says, It's better for me to go. It's better that I leave you. Remember, we're at the end. We're at the end. I think it's next week, Chris Yuki's preaching. Right? We're getting to the crucifixion. We're getting to the end. We already had the foot washing. We're in the last night of Jesus' life. And we're only going to be in John for a few more weeks this year. we struggle with Jesus' plan. Like, why didn't God make it more obvious? Why doesn't God just write in the sky with, like, Holy Ghost crop duster? (laughs) Right? You know, like, this is it. This is the deal. You know what I mean? Like, Jesus is the way. The other ways aren't. And it's one of the most common objections that I hear, right? That it should be easier. It should be obvious. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever thought that? Has anybody ever said that to you? Like, man, I don't know. There's all these religions. And why would there be so many religions? And wouldn't it be more obvious (coughs) which one is real? Which one is true? And I'm here to remind you tonight, there is absolutely no logic behind this objection. There is absolutely no reason behind this objection. It just comes from our made-up sense of justice, which is deeply distorted. It's like if there was a fountain of youth, right? If there was a fountain of youth, remember, like, they used to think it was in Florida, and they would send all the Spanish guys, and they would try to find it, or they try to find it in South America, and, you know, people lost their lives trying to pursue this fountain of youth. Would it be reasonable, would it be just logical that if there was a fountain of youth, that it would just be obvious where it is and everybody could find it? <laughs> no. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Now, you may not personally know anyone who has climbed up Mount Everest. Does that therefore mean that there is no thing as Mount Everest? <laughs> Is it, is it, see, see, what I'm trying to say is, well, if it was the highest mountain, this is the kind of reason, if it's the highest mountain, then, then everybody should be able to climb up it. No. Actually, the reason works the other way is what I'm trying to say. 
If there is a way to eternal life, if there is a way to goodness and holiness in a broken, busted up world, where there's not a whole lot that we can prove, but I am pretty sure the world is messed up. Like, there's not a lot of things that I can say without a shadow of doubt, like, this is true. But that's one of them. The world's messed up. I'm messed up. Deeply broken. And so if there was going to be a way of salvation, a way to the Creator, a truth with a capital T, then it wouldn't follow logically that it would be so easy for us to find it. It just comes from our natural mind, our, our, our mindset where things would just come to us. Do we assume that if it were possible to be a billionaire, then we should be billionaires? <laughs> and yet, how much more important is it, and how much harder is it, to imagine our souls being purified and saved, and for us to go to heaven? It's way more hard to imagine. And so our mindset is, if there was a truth, if there was this thing, eternal life, if there was a way of salvation, it should be so obvious, A, and B, it should be so easy to get to. And I'm just here to remind you that there's no logic behind that. <laughs> there's no reason behind it. There is a deep sense behind it of something being owed to us. And I know I've had these thoughts, and I know that that um you you've had them, or you've had these conversations where it's like, well, I'm going to have some questions for God about how He ran things, as if we're starting at maybe a five out of ten, and we have some moral ground. But brothers and sisters, we're not even at zero. rebellion to God. We learned in our study of 1 Corinthians last spring that only the spiritual are able to discern spiritual things. Andrew Murray once said, he said, the great power of sin is that it blinds men so that they do not recognize its true nature. So we are actually blind not only to God, but also we're blind to our own brokenness and sin. We're blind to how deeply messed up we are. I came from a church that, um, you know, God really poured out His Spirit and there was some renewal. I got saved at it um, back in 1996. And there was a pastor there who was famous for always saying this. He'd always say, hey, cheer up because you're worse than you think. <laughs> No, and there's such freedom in that, right? Like you could be a thousand percent honest, and the reality is, is that the little like pretend version of yourself that you're projecting out there for everybody, look, God don't care about that. He sees straight through it. He sees who you are, and we can cheer up because we're worse than we even imagine, and that we're trying to be. 
but also that God loves us more dearly than we could ever imagine. Because that's the gospel. That's what Jesus sent. That's why Jesus came to die for us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3, it says, But if our gospel, right, the good news about God's love in Jesus, is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In any case, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The light of God, the very image of God, the representation of God. This is the gospel. We wouldn't know who God is. But God went all the way to the great lengths of sending his son. And so now there is uh, Jesus, who is the human face of God. And everything Jesus ever did shows you God's character. Now, I've said this before, but it's like in the Old Testament, we had a representation of God through the law. And, you know, I'm sure in Gloucester City, there were some people in their garages, right, and in their basements and whatever, watching the, the World Series on like a little black and white TV, right? They would go in and out every time the planes go over the city. You know what I'm talking about. Every time the planes go over Gloucester, we lose signal for like every two minutes, right? And that's how the Old Testament is. The Old Testament gives us a clear enough picture of God, right? The Ten Commandments, what love looks like, what love looks like for our neighbors, and all that stuff. But Jesus comes in, and he's the 16K, 150-inch TV. Like he's the full representation. He's God in flesh. He's just telling you, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. He comes, and he touches the untouchable, loves the unlovable, says no to sin again and again and again, and shows us who God is. <laughs> And yet, as bright as Jesus shines, we got blinders. We got blinders. The God of this world, that's the devil. There's an enemy to our souls. Right? Jesus puts it another way. He says, the sower goes out and sows the word of God everywhere. He sows everywhere. And then there's a bird <laughs> that comes that is the devil, and takes up the seed. And so before people even get a chance to receive the gospel, and many of us have had this experience, we're trying to get on a track of going to church, we're trying to show up even for the first time, and then all hell breaks loose in our life, and we don't seem to be able to make it to hear the gospel. I know you, and I know this has happened. It's, it, we are in an unseen battle. And what is the thing that's being battled against? This is, this is the crazy thing. What is it that the devil's so afraid of? The devil doesn't want you to know how much God loves you in Jesus. He wants you to keep playing the games. He wants you to keep thinking that you're better than you really are. 
and he wants you to think that you better try to be better than you were. But the good news is that you can't. <laughs> you can't be good enough. You can't fix your life up enough. You can't save yourself. You need Jesus to save you. Amen? I remember when I was a new Christian at uh, the church that I went to, we would put on these really large um, punk rock shows, right? And they weren't like Christian punk rock shows, which is nothing wrong with that, but it was just like, we would just be a site, like like a, a venue that like local bands could play. And we would get like two, three hundred teenagers, right? They would just come from all over the place. Um, and it was a little bit like early youth group here, where it was a little out of control, <laughs> you know? And, uh, um, you know, some it got shut down over time because, like, the deacons were like, oh, people are doing drugs in the bathroom. Well, they're going to do that somewhere else. They're <laughs> hearing the gospel. But it was a little out of control. But I remember God taught me so much in this. So we would pray. Um, and I don't know why, but me and my friends, we would go into this room and turn off all the lights and pray in the absolute dark. I don't know why. Don't ask me. But I do know this. Man, we loved God. And we were doing this thing to get the gospel out. To plant seeds. You know what I'm saying? And so what would happen, inevitably, every time this happened, it would be like we would all be talking to folks. And I remember, you know, I'm a new Christian. I'm like months old in the faith. And I was able to see this even at that point. I'm out in the parking lot. Everybody's smoking a cigarette, whatever. It's in between sets. And I'm talking, and I'm surrounded like by 10 like other teenagers. And it's like, it's like the early version of theology on tap. You know what I mean? Like the early version of like what we did in Gloucester every week before we played in the church, where we just invited a bunch of people to have hard conversations about God. And I, I just remember vividly, as a new believer, that each person would bring their objection to what I was saying and be in complete opposition of each other. But that didn't matter as long as they together were against what I was saying about Jesus. There was no reason behind it. But one day I'd be like, well, I'm a total nihilist and nothing matters. You're just saying these things to gain power over folks. And then the other person would say, I only believe in what I can taste, touch, and see. I'm a complete naturalist. And there, there were like all these values of life that didn't agree with each other, but they were cool with each other as long as they were refuting what I was saying. <laughs> Why, what, what am I bringing up? Blaise Pascal, this brilliant guy who invented like the digital calculator, the theory of probabilities, and a bunch of other stuff. He was also a Christian philosopher. He said this, he said, the heart has its reasons which reason know nothing of. The heart has its reasons, which reasons know nothing of. He also said this. He said, in faith there is enough light for those who want to believe and enough shadows to the blind, those who don't. It goes both ways, right? 
We respond in faith for many reasons, and for many of us, our story was not responding to the truth. Last week, I talked a lot about power, amen? I talked about what Jesus says, ask anything in my name, I will do it. He says in chapter 14, the chapter we're in, verse 11, he says, he says, believe this, that I and then my father, my fathers and me, or at least believe on the account of the miracles, right? And so some of us, we get, God gets our attention because we get healed. <laughs> we see his power. And then other people here have the story. I remember a few years ago, somebody sent me an email. Um, a, a young woman, she sent me an email. She said, I couldn't ever believe that there would be a place where an oddball like me could belong and be accepted. So many people come and their eyes are open to the love of God because they experience the love of God's people. But some people come to God through the power of his truth. And today we're seeing that the Holy Spirit is going to give you words to say that are going to connect to people's hearts. That are going to be like a flamethrower to those reasons that don't know anything about reason. <laughs> to those reasons that aren't really about logic. They're not really about the thing that they're saying it's about. But are deep, deep in the heart. You know, there's two terrible gutters in American Christianity. And the one is just straight up anti-intellectualism. Like, I don't want to think. Thinking's hard. <laughs> you know? Like, teaching is boring. Get to the part where you start dancing faster. <laughs> right? You don't know, for real. Like, like there's, there's that trend, right? Where it's like, I don't want to be a disciple in that way. <laughs> and then there's anti-supernaturalism. Think about this. You're bowling. You don't want to gutter it, right? That's a guarantee you're not going to get a strike. And on the one side, it's just this straight-up anti-intellectual, don't talk to me about that stuff. I just want to see the thing. <laughs> and then on the other end is like, yeah, I want to live my life based on principles that I can wrap my mind around. But I'm ashamed about talking about the God of power that intervenes in this life. We'll talk about it in the next life because it's a principle. It's, a, it's, a, it's an idea, right? And this goes way back, right? In 1 Corinthians, we see that the Greeks desired wisdom and the Jews desired a sign. But that Jesus would come and be a stumbling block to both. That Jesus is, in fact, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So what is blocking us from knowing God? Right? In verse 23, it says, If you love me, keep my word. I will make my home with you. If God is living in our hearts, this comes from what? It comes from us listening to him. It comes from us responding to him. It comes from us obeying him. It comes from us trusting him. 
And so we see the other side of the coin too, right? What causes the blinders to get even thicker and thicker and thicker till we can't see God and we can't see his goodness and we can't even judge ourselves rightly? It comes from ignoring God, from disobeying him, from wandering from him. And now his home is not in our hearts. And now we are estranged from the one who created us. That's the whole story of the Bible. Adam and Eve were created in the garden of God to be with him. And the whole entire story is God wants you back. He wants humanity back. He wants to walk with you. He wants to be with you. And we're running and we're hiding. And this is true of Christians. And it's true of those who aren't Christians, who aren't yet Christians, right? For the Christian, you may be in the family, but not be living at home. And I know this because when I was young, I ran away. I still had a mom, but I ran away and I would like sneak into my cousin's basement. It would take him a few days to realize I was there. Right? And so even though I had a mom, I wasn't living with her. And you can be a Christian, right? And you can just not be listening to God. You can just be ignoring his will, disobeying him, running around, doing all the wrong things, and hiding from him. But you belong to him still. And this is the sad thing about it, is that you are a Christian, you are a daughter of God, you are a son of God, but you're hiding and you're running, and God wants you to come home. He wants you to experience his joy, he wants you to experience his power, he wants you to experience his love. It's also true for those who are not yet Christians. And this is, the, this is what the reason is that has nothing to do with reason. This is how I, I have talked to so many folks, right, where it's somehow easier to believe in ancient aliens, crystals, demons, vibes, energies, total nihilism, naturalism, all these different things, right? It's easier to believe in that than to be sure like there's a God who is the creator and judge. And if you think I'm just being wild out here, I encourage you to go to the coffee house, go to the bar, go to the fishing dock, talk to just random people, and you ask them what they believe in. And it's easier to believe in some crazy stuff than, I don't know about God, though. Because it's not just about reason. It's about this reflective, I have been hurt in the church. I don't want to think about being judged. I don't want to think about... Like my life ending and having the answer for my life. And so there's all kinds of reasons that are buried down that we can't even tap into or see. Listen, there ain't nobody that is too far gone or too bad off 
for Jesus. And this needs to really be something that like fires us up because there is literally nobody believing in no crystals, doing maybe whatever drugs, doing whatever, because that's all of us. We were all doing that stuff, believing all that stuff, coming out of lives, being with too many women, too many men, running through and just wilding out, right? And there is no one too far off. There is no one too far off or too bad for Jesus. That means we should have a big invite. <laughs> that means we should like text our friends and we should invite people over and we should pray for folks, ask folks how we can pray for them. Folks that like you think want nothing to do with it and you'd be surprised. Oh, oh, people will also look at you funny. Listen to me. <laughs> I'm a pastor. <laughs> Someone looks at me funny every single day, and it's not just because I'm funny looking, right? <laughs> People will look at you funny when you say things that are true in love, and you just got to get over it. You just got to get over it. Like, who cares? You just got to tell them the truth. We got to have this big invite to Jesus. Now, here's the thing. But there is a whole world of people, so no one is too far gone or too bad off for Jesus. But plenty of people think they're too good to come to Jesus. Right? Plenty of people think, I'm running my life pretty good. I don't need this crutch. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need this help. And Jesus was constantly saying to people in the Gospels, I came for the blind. I came for the sick. I came for the unrighteous. He kept saying this. And this is what annoyed the religious, the self-righteous, and the rich. So if, you, if this in any way describes you, religious, self-righteous, or rich, it's harder. It's just harder to be a Christian. It's harder to see your need for God. It just is. But nothing is impossible with God. And even the most religious, from the greatest family, the most self-righteous, the most wealthy, everything is working out for you, you can also see that really, before God, you're not starting at 10 or 5 or 0. But you are worse than you think. You can rejoice that God sees you for how you really are, and you don't have to pretend anymore. You can see you're an orphan, you're poor, you're in need of him. And this is really important for church kids to get, right? Like, we work really hard to set a different example for our kids as we should. And, 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 and give them like a totally different grid of life than we might have experienced. And sometimes it can be really hard because our kids can be like the older brother, right? You know the story of the prodigal son? And they come to a church like this, and they see people getting attention and loved on who are wrecking their lives. They see people getting prayed over. They see people, you know, being worked with who are doing all the wrong things. And they're looking, and they're like, I didn't check off any of these things. I didn't do drugs. I didn't sleep around. I didn't do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. <laughs> 
God wants you to have the blinders blown off for you, church kid, to see that you can cheer up because you're worse than you think. Like, it's okay for you to not perform. It's okay for you to mess up. It's okay for you to not be perfect all the time. It's okay for you to, to, to admit where you really are and to know that God loves you, that he died for your sins too, that you don't have to go off and live a wild life to know that God loves you. That he knows how proud you are. He knows how you manipulate people. He knows all the little secret sins that you don't tell anybody about. And he loves you. And he died for your sins. And so we need the Spirit. And, and, and you know, we used to, in the early days uh, of the church, we used to nap. Like, I can tell you, I have so many lists from the early days when it was just me and the Lubakins, and we had no one else. And we, we would just meet people, and we'd write down our neighbors' names, and then who they're related to, and, like, join the Lions Club, and, okay, this is the mayor, this is this person, these are the teachers our kids have. And we just write down everybody's name, which is a really good idea, right? And we pray for how they're all connected and really go after it. And then it gets to the point, right? There's a town of 10,000. We've been here for six years. That's impossible, right? Can't text, reach out, and minister to every person we ever loved or shared the gospel with before. Can't even do that for our own church. People who say they're a part of this, right? And people kind of disappear and they start drowning and they start struggling. And it is literally not possible to systematically make sure that everybody is good in the flesh, right? And this is why we need to be led by the Spirit. Jesus promised us that he would go away, he would send the comfort, he'd send the Holy Spirit, and he would give us words. And he would even tell us who it is that we need to say them to, amen? I, I remember uh, being uh, a new Christian, and there was this lady, Peggy Laramie. She was one of those weird, tongue-praying charismatic, super Pentecostal Christians, and um, Peggy was great, though. And uh, I would just be with her, and people would get saved. And be like, so, why did we cross the street and talk to that person? You know what I mean? How did you know that they were going to be, like, ready to receive the gospel? How did you know that, like, like that just, why is this happening? I don't understand why this is happening. We're, like, walking down the street, and then all of a sudden we're crossing the street. Like, like I mean, I'm just nat naturally that friendly. Like, if I see you cross the street, like, head nod, whatever. But, like, I come over there and, like, give you a hug. I don't even know you, right? And she would just, like, go over to people. And, 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 and I thought, maybe she's just like super nice and the reality was of course God had changed her to be super nice she was super loving but like the Holy Spirit was leading her she got to the point where she knew that if she ignored God she'd be missing out on a blessing she'd be in diso she'd be disobeying God 
there were people in her life she would see. There would be people she would be in prayer and, and God would speak to her like there was going to be an opportunity later that day and she would walk up to those people that God was leading her to. I, I, I want you to know that even my, my brothers and sisters who, who are not you know um, on that side of the, the, the Christian family, I know like so many times, like I remember in seminary there would be like people visiting the school and somebody was sitting at lunch and there'd be a story of someone coming to faith, right? And I can tell you that all of my stories, all of my stories where people came to faith, all of my friends' stories where people came to faith, right? They all have some spirit leaning in them. <laughs> Like, they said this, but something in my spirit wouldn't let it just sit there, and I asked this next question. <laughs> Jesus promised that he'd send the Holy Spirit, and that he would tell us what to say. Like, that is exciting and encouraging. And so people are like, always are like, well, what do I say? I don't know enough. Here's the encouraging thing. If you abide in his word, now, if you don't know the gospel and you're new to faith, that's one thing, right? But if you are living in his word, you're reading it every day, you're trying to live it out in your life, man, it's not going to be hard because God has promised that when you're abiding in him, you're listening to him, you're reading his word, you're obeying it. When you share your faith, he would give you words to say. And that is called spirit-led evangelism. And we need that. Amen? So yes, God will draw people to himself through his power. He will draw people to himself through the love of his people. But he also draws people to himself through the truth. And he speaks true things through us. And you don't know. You don't know like the person you're working with going through a divorce, going through hard times. You, you don't know how your love and your speaking truth is exactly what they need to hear at the exact time when you're obeying God. We teach everybody this like when we have camp. Like when the kids come to camp, what do we ask everybody to do? Ask them to pray for the kids individually. How can I pray for you? And I can't tell you how many times the kids don't have the words to say, right? But then the Lord leads that person to pray for the kid for the very thing that they really need. I can't tell you how many times that happens when we are done preaching and we're singing the last song and somebody comes up here for prayer and God leads his people to pray and minister and speak truth by the power of his spirit in a way that they couldn't have known. God led them. God leads us. We can have some confidence. Amen? So let's pray even now. Let's pray that the Lord would give us signs and gifts of his goodness. Amen? And that we wouldn't just receive them and see them, but God would use us. God wants to use you. Maybe you've never experienced anything like this, but God wants to use you to speak to somebody the truth of his love. 
He wants people to come to faith. He wants you to bring your family and your friends and your neighbors to church. He wants to see his power. He does. I mean, I get it. Life is overwhelming. And Jesus said, I remember the parable where the sower sows? He talks about the third soil. So not only is the devil putting the blinders on, and the devil's like the bird snatching up the seed. Also, life with its concerns, with its cares, its worries, its anxieties, and also the deceitfulness of riches chokes out the soil, chokes out the, the seed of the gospel. Right? And so I know that life is overwhelming. Part of what makes life a little less overwhelming is obeying God. And you're in the middle of your mess, but you're seeing Him speak through you, and you're seeing people get saved, and you're seeing people get healed. And we can be missing out on so much because we're so focused on our own problems and we're forgetting the mission He's called us to. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you promised here in John 14, you promised to send the counselor, the Holy Spirit, and that you would give us the words to say. You would lead us. And Lord, we pray for that. We want that. We want to be led by you. And I pray that every person here, God, that they would know that this is for them. This is for them. It's not just for a few people in the church. You want to speak through each person here. You would maybe even want to speak through people here tonight to each other. God, please fill us with your spirit that we be led by you. Lord, we need to see your power, but we also, we need your truth. And so we pray, God, that you would tear down the blinders that the devil has set up in our lives. That we'd be able to cheer up and know that we're worse than we think, but we can be totally honest because you love us so much. Amen. If anybody would like prayer, please come up. I will be happy to pray for you.